I'm talking about. Am I cuter than normal this week or what? Is that why? Is that why you, you chanted for me? Thank you. Hi. Hey, my mom does do my hair. She cuts it for me. OPAS had a uh, a delightful week this last week. Hope it was amazing, good, awesome. I am uh, I'm happy. I bet you that this last week you probably opened hundreds, if not thousands, of doors. Maybe not tens of thousands, but probably thousands of doors this last week. Just so exciting. Um, have you liked the series so far? Yes. It's been okay. Has it sucked moderately? No. Okay, good. Okay. Well, the past two weeks, if you guys have been here, hopefully you've realized we've been talking about doors. Have you noticed? No. We've been talking about doors uh, for the last two weeks, and tonight we're going to continue. In fact, for the last two weeks, we've been talking a whole bunch about doors, um, almost like we're in some sort of series about doors or something like that. Um, And tonight, I'm not going to buck the trend. We're going to just stick right with doors. tonight as well, so yeah. Um, As a reminder, as a reminder for you guys, I explained at the beginning here that doors are passageways from one spot to another spot in in the physical realm as well as in our life, in the plans for, for our lives in the spiritual realm deep inside of us. There are these situations which we're gonna choose, uh, avenues that we're going to take that are going to transport us to a new area in our life. And we call these doors in our lives. Um, We found out the fact that doors can take us to new places. And they can be good places, they can be bad places, and places all in between as well. Um, The doors show up, and we have to decide whether or not we want to move through them, or if we do not. So the first week we talked about doors to purpose, and we talked about the fact that you have a direction for your life that... There are doors that are meant to take you to that end goal, to that purpose. And last week we talked about doors to distraction. We talked about these doors that pop up that a lot of times look really good, but they can, they can dissuade you from going in the right direction towards your purpose. They can get you off task. And tonight we're going to continue um, with doors to failure. Has anyone ever heard of a man named Kane Kramer? Kane Kramer. No? Well, let me tell you about him. He's a genius, an absolute genius, an inventor at that. He invented the DAP. Do you know what the DAP is? The digital audio player. He is the inventor. In fact, he created a device with a solid-state memory called the IXI in 1979, which could hold three and a half minutes of audio. It had a central screen and central controls, and he patented this invention in 1979 as this digital audio player called the IXI. Well, a few years later, if you guys know anything about patents, is they come due, and the patent wears out, and you have to basically repurchase that patent. Well, there was a certain amount of problem in his business at the time, and he said there was some sort of coup or people trying to take over, but the patent came due, and they had to come up with $120,000 to re-engage the world's patents, and they couldn't come up with the money. 
So only a few years after he invented the DAP, they didn't have money enough to reinstate the patents, and his device became public property. Now, fast forward to the year 2001. A bright, shining little company named Apple. Whoop. They take and release this new music storage device aptly named the iPod. The iPod. And over the next few years until today, sales have skyrocketed, skyrocketed on this little marvel known as the iPod. Obviously, all the way to the invention of the iPhone, just a big iPhone, iPod with a, uh, with a phone attached to it, basically. Um, because the design became public, this device comes out. Now, to this day, to the end of 2007, have you guys ever heard how many iPods have been sold? Have you guys not? Oh, okay. At the end of 2007, Apple released the numbers that they had officially broken 100 million iPods sold at the end of 2007. And they've continued to sell that, not quite as an amazing rate as the 2007 year, which was crazy, but they continue to sell. Now, here's the interesting thing. Based off of the projected value of what they were supposed to make on each and every iPod, can you guess how much money they made? off of that device. Made, not how much money they collected because of the, the gross price of it, but how much money they made. 40 they made $2.3 no, $2 billion from 2001 to the end of 2007. In six years, they made $2.3 billion, made $2.3 billion off of one little device called the iPod. Apple actually admits the fact that they based their product off of the IXI and now even work with Kramer on things that they're doing. In fact, a few years back, Burst.com tried to sue Apple for the iPod rights, and the reason why they got out of it is because they had Kramer come and testify in a 10-hour deposition saying the fact that he was the original creator of the DAP and where they got the idea legally because he failed to reinitiate the patent. On top of that, of course, there are many other companies that make DAPs. Can you say Zune? No, nah, that's a joke. No one has Zunes. And Kramer... <laughs> but, you see, Kramer couldn't come up with $120,000 to save his patent. And that patent made one company over $2 billion in profit. That's amazing to think about, isn't it? In an interview with Kramer just recently, talking to him about this stumble, he said these words, I guess I could be considered the world's biggest failure. Talking about himself. Interesting, isn't it? You know, when I first heard the story, I kind of found it funny. It kind of made me chuckle a little bit to think about um, this creator and, and losing this patent and just how ironic the story is. But after I really read it, it was kind of sad as well, wasn't it? After I read it and maybe looked a little deeper, I thought, it's really kind of sad. And you really see the fact that I think Kramer hasn't really let go of it yet, has he? Considering those words, you could call me the world's biggest failure. Um, and, you know, I heard people online um, on the message board, people said, you know, oh, he's not a failure, he's not a failure. He created this, though. And, uh, you know, he, he's not a failure because he's a smart guy. And, um, but, you know, as, as I looked at what the definition of failure is, I realized that his comment was dead on. The definition of failure is this, falling short or failing to perform an expected action. See, when people have little or no expectation, it's hard to consider them a failure when they don't accomplish it. 
But when people have a great and amazing future, an amazing purpose, and they don't reach it, wow, you can really notice failure, can't you? When a situation stands with such a sharp divide like Kane Kramer, creating an invention that was going to revolutionize music and not accomplishing it, and someone else gaining all that fame, all that money, you can really see failure, can't you? Kane Kramer, I believe, walked through a door to failure, maybe without even noticing it. I wonder if, at the time when he lost his patent, he really realized how big of a deal it was. Or I wonder if at the time he figured, that really sucks, but he didn't notice how bad it was going to get. However, don't feel too bad for Kane Kramer, because if he's smart enough to create the DAP, I'm sure he's smart enough to create other amazing things. He'll probably make a whole bunch of money, probably a lot more than any of us will, but definitely not as much as the iPod. In fact, he's working with Apple, though, now, so be prepared for, like, the iPod 2. I don't know. But as we've been talking about doors in our lives, um, we've noticed that there are doors that will take us closer to the passion we have, and we've, there's, we've noticed that there's, there's doors that want to take us away through distractions and through bad circumstances. Um, but there are also doors in our life that are quite final. Failure is final. You know, unlike back when we were in grade school, and do you guys remember when you could take a test and when you failed, the teacher would let you come in during recess and you could retake the test, and when you passed it, you'd get like a little bit less than what you actually got, and then if you failed that one, sometimes you could even come in for another test and you could take it again. That doesn't happen in the real world. You don't get to continually keep retaking those tests. A lot of times the situation comes and either you succeed or you fail, and that's the end of the story. And there's doors to failure just like this where, man, it is the end. At the beginning of the series, we talked about the fact that each and every one of us have great passions. Each of us have things that we're good at that set us apart from someone else and that those direct our purpose. We talked about the fact that each of us have dreams and we have doors to lead us there. And I even told you about Jeremiah 29:11, which is a great verse out of the Bible in which God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. See, God says you have awesome plans. I have them for you. You might say, you know, I don't really know if anything's awesome on the horizon. God says, no, I know there's stuff that's awesome on the horizon for you. But whatever our purpose be it doctor, lawyer, pro wrestler, anyone out there pro wrestler? Yeah, pro wrestler, whatever. An artist, a missionary, a mother, a father, a friend, thrill seeker, world changer, climate changer, leader, follower, inventor, originator, or just a common but happy person. Whatever that purpose and that goal is in our life, there are doors that wish to take you completely away from it where you will never be able to reach that goal and where you will get locked out from it and won't be able to claw your way back. And those are the doors to failure that we're talking about. When I started thinking about these doors, what are the doors to failure? I mean, just, it's, man, it, it destroys. When I started thinking about them, I started realizing this, that there are a ton of doors, ones we've talked about even so far, that exist in this world that we have to, we have to walk through, we have to put action to. But I realized that doors to failure aren't found on the street corner. Doors to failure aren't found in school. They're not found at your job. Um, they're not even found here at Steadfast. But that doors to failure are found here and found here. The doors to failure 
aren't sitting right out here for all of us to see in the, in the world, but instead the doors to failure really start right inside of our heart and right inside of our mind. That's where they reside. These decisions and situations that we get into inside of ourselves are going to decide whether we can be a success or whether we will be doomed to be a Kane Kramer, someone who's only remembered for basically failure at this point. Um, there are big doors to failure that a lot of people walk through, common ones that you see throughout history, throughout people's lives, and they stand out. And tonight what I want to do is just to give us a brief overview, I want to talk about four doors to failure that stand out to me in my mind. Four doors that are commonly walked through in our mind, in our hearts, that take us in a different way. Um, many of these doors, they look fuzzy in our minds. And we don't even know necessarily what they look like. But the hope is, is that if we talk about them, if we look at them a little deeper, maybe we'll actually be able to notice when we're, when we're getting close to them in our minds. And we can maybe stop ourselves before we get too far. So I just want to jump into them. Let's talk about four doors that inside of us lead to failure. And the first is this. First order of failure is believing that you are an exception. Believing that you are an exception. We talked at the beginning of this series that each and every one of us have purposes. Each and every one of us have goals. We have talents. We have things that are destined to become in our lives. Um, each of us have a purpose. And we found out the fact that a lot of times, man, it's really not as confusing as people make it. Man, there are things that I'm passionate about, and that's where my goals need to go is where my passions direct me. I believe the fact that God is the creator of the universe, and I believe the fact that he is the creator of each and every one of us here who sit tonight. I read you before, and I want to read it to you again, because I think it's such an awesome verse. It's Psalm 119, 13 through 16, if you want to write it down. And it's David talking to God, and he says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. It says this, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I completely believe the fact that God has specific purpose for our lives. Those passions and those, those aspirations inside of us aren't just by accident, but they're put there. And I completely believe the fact that God has a specific purpose for each and every one of us. I think that there's something that God gave me that none of you have. And I think there's something that God gave you and you and you and you, every single person in this audience. God gave you a specific task, a specific gift that's going to be used in a way that no one else is able to do. Think about this, okay? I don't think God makes mistakes. I think if he made somebody, he made them for a reason. Each and every one of us. There's something that sets us out as special, some purpose for our lives. But what some people do is, is along the way, um, they walk through this door of thinking the fact that somehow they fall outside of this fact. They come to this point, and you've maybe heard it before, and they say, you know what, that's true. I think God made everyone for a purpose, but... Not me. Not me. You know, they say, you know, um, everybody has a purpose, but you know, I just really don't see it for me. Maybe I don't. And you know what happens a lot of times with these people is they get into this rut of self-pity. Let me tell you, when you pity yourself, no one else wants to. You ever met these people? These people who just, man, they, all they do is take pity on these people, uh, on themselves. Man, do not become one of those people because I have met them and they are no fun to be around. 
Seriously, if you want if you want to be a friend, man, don't be that person who just spends all your time pitying yourself. It's no fun. But this feeling of not having doors um, to purpose over their physical life, um, you know, the problem is is this: is they say, you know, I, I really don't feel like I have any. And what can happen is is they can be at a place where a door is sitting cracked open. There can be a big shiny arrow pointing to it. It can have their name written on the front of the door, telling them that this is theirs. There can be someone inside greeting them, waiting for them to come through this door to purpose. But you know what? They stand here and go, that's probably not for me, though. I know people have purpose, but that must be for someone else because I don't see purpose in my life. I understand that that looks really good, but yeah, not for me. That's not for me. And you talk yourself out of out of that door of purpose that's waiting for you because you think, you know, I really still don't think I have purpose. We have to get past this, man. We have to get past this. People convince themselves that they don't have any. And, you know, I think this happens because of our past. People who don't have this, this purpose, and they say, you know, I believe everyone else does, but I don't. I think it all started from back in our past. There was a time maybe when we were younger in which everyone around us seemed to find their purpose except us. Everyone around us seemed to be going in a direction except us. I want to take an, uh, just take a small little break here. Can I bring down the lights? Can we, get, can we get the lights brought down the house here? and Just give me a spot right here. I want to read you guys a little story. It's from a renowned psychological author of our current modern day. It is a mind-blowing book. Although, in fact, I must admit the fact that it really isn't that modern because it was written in 1957. And uh, Kathleen N. Daly, who wrote it, maybe didn't have a degree in psychology, but it's a good book. And in fact, I'm not going to just read you an, expert, an excerpt. Excuse me. I'm going to read you the whole darn thing because it's that good and it's only 20 pages long with pictures. And maybe it's really not a psychological, uh, psychological book, but maybe it's actually called The Four Little Kittens. <laughs> I want to read this to you guys. Read this to you. Let's get snuggled in, snuggled in, guys. All right. The Four Little Kittens by Kathleen N. Daly. It says, Once upon a time, four little kittens were born in the corner of a barn. I wonder what kind of cats they'll grow up to be, thought the mother cat. She licked her four new babies proudly. They were still tiny. Their eyes were sealed shut, and they could only mew and snuggle close to their mother's warm side. In a few days, the kittens opened their eyes. Each day, they grew a little bigger and a little stronger and a great deal naughtier, thought Mother Cat, and they pounced on her twitching tail. Children, she said one day, the time has come for you to decide what kind of cats you will be. Tell us, tell us, mewed the kittens, what kind of cats are there? Mother Cat sat up straight and half-closed her green eyes and began. There are alley cats. An alley cat is long and lean. He slinks like a shadow, sleeps where he can, eats what he finds. A free cat is he, no manners to mind, no washing of paws, no sheathing of claws. He does what he likes, and nobody knows but he. Your Uncle Tom is an alley cat. Many friends he has, and they make fine music at night to the moon. His enemies are stray dogs and turning wheels and cold, sleety rain. He's a wild and clever cat, the alley cat. That's the life for me, said Tuff, the biggest kitten, and off he went to be an alley cat like bold Uncle Tom. There's a puppy dog and a cat. 
Now, Uncle Tar was a ship's cat, Mother said. A splendid cat was he, with a ship for a home and sailors for friends. A ship's cat visits seaports a thousand miles away and talks to foreign cats and chases foreign rats that try to come aboard. A brave cat he is, a jolly roving cat, a ship's cat. And many are the tales your Uncle Tar could tell. That's the life for me, said Luff, the second kitten. And off he went to be a ship's cat, like jolly Uncle Tar. And of course, said Mother, there are farm cats. I am a farm cat, a useful cat. I catch the mice and chase the rats while the farmer sleeps at night. I live in the barn on a bed of straw. No house cat am I. A farm cat can talk a farm cat can talk to all the animals that live on the farm. A splendid, useful, strong cat is the farm cat, though I say it myself. That is the life for me, said Ruff, the third kitten, and off he went to be a farm cat, like his mother. Mother cat purred. Hmm. How cute, huh? Now, the smallest, youngest kitten was called Muff. Muff was gentle and playful and pretty and always kept her white paws clean. Muff's mother sighed and said, Muff, I don't think you're an alley cat. I don't think you're a ship's cat or even a farm cat. I don't know what kind of cat you are. And off went Mother Cat to catch a nice fat mouse for dinner. Sadly, Muff wandered out of the barn. She caught sight of Ruff getting ready to spring on a great big rat. Muff shivered and crept by quietly as she thought, I couldn't be a farm cat, said Muff, because I'm afraid of big rats. Muff wandered out of the farm and down to the village. She saw plump little Tuff doing his best to look lean and wild like an alley cat. Woof, woof, barked a little stray dog, and Tuff arched his back and bristled his fur and spat and hissed in his best alley cat way. The little dog ran away, and so did Muff. Down to the river she ran, and she saw Luff on a big ship in the harbor. The sailors were busy with ropes and things, but already Luff had curled up in a place where he wouldn't be in the way. Soon Luff would be visiting cats a thousand miles away, just like Uncle Tar. Muff waved goodbye. I wish I knew what kind of cat I am, she sighed. Then she had to run out of the way as the bicycle came by. It began to rain, and Muff got cold and wet. She didn't like that at all, and she, took her wet paw, she shook her wet paws crossly. She lay down to sleep on a lumpy pile of sacks. She didn't like that very much either. She was cold and hungry and cross, and when a big hand picked her up, she spat and hissed for all the world like an alley cat. But the big hand put her into a big warm pocket, and after a few more angry squawks, the sad little mew, Muff fell asleep. When next she opened her eyes, Muff was in a house. There were cushions and carpets and curtains. There was a warm, crackling fire. There was a little girl with soft, gentle hands. Oh, what a lovely kitten, said the little girl. Oh, I wanted a kitten so much. Now I won't be lonely anymore. The little girl gave Muff a, soft, a saucer of cream. Muff drank it all with one white foot in the saucer to keep it steady. Then she washed her paw and licked her whiskers. This is much better than fat mice for dinner. The little girl played with Muff. She dangled a string, and Muff jumped and pounced in her prettiest way, and the little girl laughed with delight. Muff purred. This was much better than running away from barking dogs and turning wheels. The little girl lifted Muff to her warm lap and stroked Muff's fur. Oh, it's nice to have a kitten, said the little girl happily. Muff purred loudly. This was much better than a pile of lumpy sacks or even a bed of straw. This is the life for me, purred Muff. I know what kind of cat I am at last. I'm a cushioning cream cat, a purring cat, a cuddlesome cat, a playful cat, a little girl's cat. I'm a house cat. So all four kittens lived happily ever after, tough in his alley because he was an alley cat, rough on his farm because he was a farm cat, luff on his ship because he was a ship's cat, 
and muff on her cushions in her house with her little girl because she was a house cat. The end. Four Little Kittens is a pretty amazing book, isn't it? Written all the way back in 1957. You know, as I read this, the meaning of the story is quite simple, isn't it? It maybe stands out that each and every one of us have a specific purpose. And it doesn't matter if you feel like Muff, that every option given to you didn't fit. It didn't matter if maybe you came to a point where your parents, just like Muff's mom, said, you know what, I don't know what you're for. I don't know what your purpose is. It doesn't matter, because you are not an exception, and a purpose is waiting there for you, just like Muff. To stay away from this door to failure, we must not let ourselves get down if we don't know exactly what our direction is yet. And you know what? We need to take some lessons from Muff. We need to learn a lesson from this little strong cat. And it's this. We have to get out there. We have to get out there. She didn't just sit and mope. She didn't just sit around the farm and complain to mom about how she didn't fit into the three categories that she gave her. But instead, she went and checked out all the options that her mother had given her and decided, you know what, those weren't for me. And what she did is she put herself in a place where life could find her and her purpose ended up knocking. So you have to get out there. The second door that leads us to failure is this. Being a fool with your purpose. Being a fool with your purpose is our second door to failure. Some of us find our idea of what our purpose is in life. We have this goal set out in the end, and this, is our, this, this can be our door to purpose here. We have this goal of what our purpose looks like. And, you know, we might even have a view of what sits in between. But the reality is, is if we have this goal in sight, there is a whole bunch of dedication between here and that goal. There is a whole bunch of sacrifice to get to it. And this is where people fail. They may have that vision of what the future can hold. They may even see that door, but they don't have the dedication to get there. They don't have the focus to actually take and take those steps. These are people who get entrapped by the doors to distraction. We talked about that last week. These are the people who just, man, they make doors to distraction their entire life. They make it every bit of their life. They caught a glimmer of what the end may hold but you know what? They get lulled into this belief that it's just going to happen by accident. That that's my end goal, and you know what? It doesn't matter what steps I take, I'm just going to end up there. They get lulled in this idea that they see the end and they think, as long as I keep walking, I'm going to make it there. That's not the case. It's not the case at all. They stop focusing so much on what the end is, and instead they think about what they want to do today and where they want to be tomorrow instead of where they want to be in that final goal. And that becomes more important to them. When all these small decisions, um, when all these small decisions come, when the fun of today, when the joy of tomorrow all add up, what a lot of times happen is we end up miles away, miles away from the purpose that we initially saw. And these are fools. In every sense, these are fools. I know people like this. There's this kid, um, I went to school with a, with a kid, and he was telling me about his friend, because he's at IV. And um, parents decided to send him to a good college. Went to the college and flunked out of every single class he had, because he was too busy drinking and partying. 
So his parents told him, why don't you come home and go to IV? We'll pay for you to go to IV until you get straightened out. Came to IV, spent all of his time hanging out with friends, failed every single class there too. Decided, you know what, I'm just going to go get a union job. Cool. Went and got it. He lost his job in less than a year. This man could not focus on the purpose that was laid in front of him. But all his focus was was this distraction. All he cared about was about what today was and what tomorrow was. And he treated that purpose just like a fool. And it all played out in his life. You could see it by what happened to him. A lot of times what happens is this. As we stop focusing on that end goal, I see two common things that happen, and here's what they are. These people who get caught up and are fools with their purpose, first, stop listening to that little guy in our head. You know who I'm talking about, right? In the back of our head, there's that guy that when we have two decisions and one leads us towards our purpose and one leads us away, right before we make a decision, there's a guy who kind of goes, hey, you should go to your purpose. You shouldn't get caught up in what's today. But what happens is these people who treat it like a fool, they stop listening to this guy. They take and put a piece of tape over his mouth. And instead, they just listen to whatever their mind is saying at the time. They stop listening to this little guy instead. And you know what happens after that is pride kicks in. After they stop listening to this man that's, that's, that's trying to help them out, but what happens then is they get prideful and they think that they can still make it even though they're making all these stupid decisions. These are the have-their-cake-and-eat-it-too kind of people. They think that they can do anything on the way there and they're just going to somehow miraculously get there. It's not the case. Jeremiah 8, 4 through 5 has this great, this great verse, and God's talking about the people of, uh, of, of Israel. He says this, Tell me this, God's message. Do people fall down and not get up? Or take the wrong road and then just keep on going? He says this, So why does this people go backward and just keep on going backward? They stubbornly hold on to their illusions and refuse to change their direction. That's what happens to these people. They treat their purpose foolishly, and they just figure, ah, I can just, it'll work its way out, it'll be cool. And they just continue to go backwards, farther and farther away from their direction. The reality is, is this. If you have a purpose, you have to hold on to it tightly. If you see that end goal, you better put a death grip on it, and you better hold on to it tight. Because there's a lot of things that want to sway us away. The other thing is this, you've got to put today in view of what needs to happen in the end. You need to always look at today, look through today into the future and decide what has to happen today based on what needs to happen in the future. And you must never treat purpose foolishly because it's the most important thing that we have. Never treat it foolishly, but always work at it honestly and wholeheartedly. Our third door to failure this one's a big one. Waiting for things to happen to you. This one's like uber common. I mean, this is, this is like life. I mean, I don't mean to sound mean, but there are people all throughout this room. I've been, I've been here at times as well. This is a common one. How many people fall into this? It's not the fact that the purpose isn't there. It's not the fact that the doors aren't there. They're there. But instead, what happens is, is that we do not move. We do not move. This is our door to failure. We see the end goal, 
but we don't feel like moving towards it. It's right there. There it is. Ah, I'm tired, though. Maybe a door will come closer if I just wait for it for a little bit longer. You know, if I look at it long enough, maybe, maybe someone will come along and pick me up and carry me to that door if I just wait long enough. That's what happens. We have that, that goal in our sights, and we can see it and we're ready to go for it. But what happens is we just decide, ah, oh, it'll come. It'll come to pass. This is so, so foolish, but it happens all the time. I call this stationary failure. Stationary failure. We stay still for so long that we fail. Here's the deal. If I want to become a doctor, I better go to school and start reading some books. If I want to become a a father, I better find a woman. Okay? It's simple, isn't it? You know, me saying I want to become a dad someday and then sitting around my whole life just hoping someday... it's going to become a dad someday. Somehow a kid will just show up. It's kind of stupid, isn't it? It's the same as if I want to become a doctor. Yeah, I'm just going to, I'll just wait here. Sooner or later, someone will give me a doctorate and something, right? You have to pursue that, man. You can't just sit around and wait. You can't just sit there and hope that everything's going to work out because you know what? It's not. It's not going to do this. Many of us do this, though. We have vivid and amazing dreams. That's what's really interesting. We have vivid and amazing dreams for what the future holds for us. We see that door and, oh, Man, that door to purpose, it just looks so beautiful. But we just decide to wait, and we won't move towards it. We just figure, it'll come to us. Just put in my time. But you know, that's not going to work. If you want to get to that door, you're going to have to put in the first step, and the second, and the third, and the fourth, and you're going to have to keep on walking to it, all the way up to it, and yeah, you're going to take time to lift your hand, throw it on there, Twist the doorknob and yank that sucker open. It's the only way you're going to get through it. It's not going to come to you. There's this really, really, uh, really great quote. And it's talking about opportunity knocking. Talking about opportunity knocking. Have you ever heard that, that phrase, when opportunity knocks? Where's this guy? His name is uh, Andy Rutledge. He's a designer, a writer, composer, and a bonsai artist at that. Very, very interesting guy. But he has this quote, and I, I like it. Shelby, um, Shelby showed me this one time, and it just... It, it says, says it so well. He says this, I found that when opportunity knocks, it knocks very softly. And we may tell ourselves that we're not worthy to answer the door. Crush that idea right now. If you're not worthy, answer anyway and make yourself worthy before anyone else catches on. And it says, as for parting advice, I say that if opportunity isn't knocking on your door, go knock on its door. Bang the door, kick the damn door down. I love, I love that phrase. I love the fact that he's just so aggressive by what he says. And it is so, so true. There are times when a door is shut in our lives and we come to it and it won't open and we realize maybe that's not the door. And we look around and we'll find another one. And we realize, no, this is the door for purpose. I was wrong with that one. That's why it was locked. God was trying to keep me from that. There's other times you're going to come to a door that doesn't open And after surveying around, you're going to find out that's the only door towards my purpose. All the other ones lead me farther away, and that's the only one to get there. I can tell. It's time to bang that sucker down. It's time to forcefully and aggressively beat on a thing. That thing won't open. You better start jiggling the handle. You know, get crazy on it. Take and really start tugging on that thing if it's going to come open. 
There's some times where you're going to have to take and you're just going to have to get so aggressive, you bust that dang door down to get through it because your purpose lays on the other side and that's the only thing that's standing in your way and you've got to get aggressive, aggressive. You know what's funny? The Bible says the exact same thing that Andy Rutledge did in just a different way. It says it in Luke 11. It says this. He said, Imagine what would happen if you went to a friend in the middle of the night and said, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread and because an old friend is traveling through, just showed up, and I don't have a thing on hand. The friend answers back from his bed, Don't bother me. The door's locked. My children are all down for the night. I can't get up to give you anything. He says this, But let me tell you, even if he won't get up because he's your friend, if you stand your ground knocking and waking all of the neighbors, he'll finally get up and get you whatever you need. And here's what I'm saying. Ask and you'll get, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open. You know, in just a different way, he's saying the exact same thing as this Andy Rutledge said. Is man, when that door will come open, you got to be persistent and you got to get aggressive. That's the truth. You take and you start screaming in someone's neighborhood, yelling, give me bread, give me bread. Everyone's going to start waking up, turning on lights, and they'll just say, enough, stop, stop. I will get up and get you bread. Just shut up and don't wake all the neighbors. You know, it's the exact same thing in our lives. We'll come to these situations in which the door is closed, and man, we have to get aggressive. I say this, if you spend your whole life waiting for stuff to happen to you, you'll spend your whole life waiting for stuff to happen to you. Do you get that? If you spend your whole life waiting for stuff to happen to you, you will spend your whole life waiting for stuff to happen to you. It's not going to happen. To dodge this door to failure, you simply need to move consistently towards your goal that you have. Here's an idea. If you have a goal and you have a purpose, write it down. Put it on a piece of paper And then sit down and think, how do I realistically, logically, how do I get to that goal? So then I'm thinking, are there steps that I can see? You know, I say I want to be here. And just like I said earlier, you know, I said I want to be a dad. Obviously, I'm going to have to find a wife and I'm going to have to, you know, there's work to be done. If I want to be a doctor, there's a lot of work to be done too. Here's the deal, okay? You have a brain for a reason. You have a head on top of your shoulders for a reason. And there is an amazing processor sitting up in here that can figure stuff out. It is not ungodly. It is not foolish or unspiritual to sit down and say, what are the realistic steps that I need to take to get here? What are the realistic things that have to happen? Take and think and pray about some reasonable steps that need to happen to get you to that goal and write them down and work in them. God gave us brains. Use them. Use them and move forward in it. Do not wait for stuff to come to you. And the fourth and final door that I want to talk to you about tonight is the door to giving up. And this one seems pretty obvious, doesn't it? It can come on its own, or you know, it can follow any of these other doors that come into our lives. Any of these other failure doors, this one can follow right behind. This is when things haven't worked out so well, or maybe they were harder than we initially thought. We thought the doors would just fall open for us and we'd just run right to our purpose and we'd be done. But you know what happens is we found out this is really hard work. I'm tired. Those doors are hard to open. Some of them are locked pretty tight. I've got to really, really work at it. Many of these people walk through the door to giving up before they even start. 
They walk through this door to give up before they even really begin their journey. You can tell these people because they're the ones that no longer care about their purpose. At one time, they had this great and mighty plan, but when you talk to them now, yeah, they don't really know anymore. It's just kind of all faded away, and they don't care. This is often caused by a lack of stamina, as I see it. Maybe not necessarily physical stamina, but just emotional, mental stamina. People don't have the drive to continue on through hard times. Because that's what's going to happen in our, in our journey towards purpose. There's going to be hard times that aren't just going to last a day, aren't just going to last a few days, but they might last an entire season of our life. And you have to have that drive to say, I'm going to continue to walk through this knee-high pile of crap, <laughs> okay, until I finally get, I finally get to that purpose. You have to have that, that drive to continue through. These are the people that will often convince themselves that where they are now you know what, it's good enough. It's good enough. I can just sit down here and I'll be cool. You know, they take an, um, there's my door to purpose. That was the end goal right there, but I'm just here. This isn't bad. I'm pretty close. I can just chill here for a while. I can see my purpose. I'm pretty close, you know. I accomplished a lot. I know that that was, that was my goal, but I'm only a few doors away, you know. Um, what's the real big deal? There is a big deal. There is a big difference. There's a difference from just stopping short of what that, that end goal is. And this is what people try, to, people try to tell themselves, that, you know what? I tried my best. I tried my best. And where I am here today, this must just be meant to be. Because I tried, and I gave everything I could, and I just couldn't make it. You know what I have to say to that? Poppycock. Poppycock. BS, caca, bullspit, malarkey, whatever you want to call it, okay? That's what I say that. Poppycock. I love that word. It's really fun. You are not meant to give up. You are not meant to fall a few doors away from that end purpose. You are not meant to step short of your dreams. You are not meant to compromise. You are not meant to get hung up on some door only a few away from that end purpose. That is not meant to be. Not at all. That's giving up. That's giving up. You are meant to succeed, and your purpose is waiting for you. Your purpose is waiting for you behind this last door. Oh, and it's right there, and it's so tangible, and you can just about walk through it. It's waiting for you. Each and every one of us are meant to succeed. But how do we deny, how do we deny this door to failure? Well, you know what you've got to do? You're going to come to a point where you're going to walk right up to that door to failure because that, that door to purpose is... It's far away, and it's getting hard. And you're going to walk into that door to failure, and it's going to look really, really inviting. And you get really close to it. What you have to do is, is when you come to that point where you're right about giving up, this is going to be it. I'm going to walk through here, and I probably understand that once I walk through this door to giving up, I'm probably going to get sidetracked. You know, this, this is where my goal is, but when I probably walk through this door to failure... I'm probably never going to be able to make it back there. I might get close, but it's going to be over. This looks pretty easy, though. It's not enough just to say, I don't want to do that. 
But when you start getting that feeling of, I just want to give up, you better take the door and you better slam that sucker shut, throw your crap out of the way, and you better take and freaking wedge that door with like a thing and get something else and jam it up underneath the doorknob so no one can bring it back up. You got to take it, you got to nail that shut door, that door shut, barricade it if you have to. You have to put as much as you possibly can. You ever see those, those movies where they take and they move like the dresser in front of it? They take and they like move like another table in front of it and they take like a cup of water and set it on top of there? Anything, anything, they're standing in the way. You better take and get it and barricade that door shut. You better t- stop yourself. Because you have to come to the point where you say, that's the door to failure, that's the door to giving up. Well, you know what? I'd rather die trying. I'd rather die trying. I'm not going to walk through that door to give up. I'm going to fight until my last breath for my purpose because it means that much to me. I'd rather die trying than walk through that door. Take that door to giving up, that door to failure, and block it shut and say, that's not even an option in my life anymore. I'm not going to even accept that as a a plan for my life because I have better. That you will not give up, but you will move forward. All of these doors that we've talked about so far tonight are, are common doors to failure. They're things that take people away from their initial purpose and bring them to a place where they will never, they will never reach that end goal, that beautiful purpose for your life. Like I said, it could be anything, anything. It's a pro wrestler, president of the United States, mother, father, daughter, friend, whatever it's going to be, whatever that purpose is for our life. There are doors to failure that are going to lock you out from it. You're going to walk through them and you're never going to be able to come back. You have to recognize these doors in your own mind, in your own heart. And you have to be ready to flee from them instead of toy with them and think about it. And what you have to do is instead of walking through these doors to failure in the mind, you must walk through a door to success in your mind. Because even though there's all these things that are going to stand in our way, you have to consistently, every day, start out by walking through a door to success. And you know what the door to success looks like? It's a door that says, I have a purpose ahead that I can see. You walk through a door that says, I'm focused on that purpose that I know and want and love so much. You walk through a door that says every single day, I believe that I can accomplish my goal. Even though I know it's going to be hard, I believe that I can truly accomplish that end purpose that I see for my life and say, you know what? Today, I'm going to take the proper steps to move forward. Today, I'm going to take the right steps to push myself farther towards that door than I ever have in the past. These doors to failure will take us to a place where we can never get back. Have you guys ever seen uh, Back to the Future? Good movie, right? There's this part where where Marty McFly is talking about um, timeline and about a decision that was made. He says, well, can't we just go to the future and fix it? And he has to explain the fact that because of a critical decision that he had made, he's now on an alternate timeline and that going into the future will only put him farther ahead in this timeline and would not get him back to that initial one that he wants to go to. He said, the only way to fix that is to go back. Well, here's the situation. There's a lot of these doors to failure that you can never go back. Once you walk through them, they're going to lock behind you. And you're stuck in that. And the only way forward is through another door. 
and another door. And you'll end up a long distance off from what that initial purpose might be. Much like Kane Kramer, there's no going back to correct the mistakes. Man, I bet you there has been many a night in which Mr. Kramer has woke up and thought, ah, if I could have just got a hold of that $120,000, man, can you imagine what the world would be different? Maybe we'd all be talking about Kane Kramer instead of Steve Jobs. Maybe both. But I'm sure there are nights that haunt him thinking about that. But there's no going back. There's no pressing a reset button and trying to go fix that problem. He's stuck in where he is today. And the same thing happens with us. If we do end up on the losing side of these doors, we might never make it back. But if we do, is it possible that there's a way out? Is it possible that there's some way to get back to that initial purpose that we had in the first place? Is it possible that there's some sort of passageway back? And that's what we're going to finish with next week. That's what next week's message is going to focus all about. I want to pray with you to finish this week off. Lord, I thank you for tonight. And I thank you, God, that a purpose stands in each and every one of our lives. I thank you, God, that there are doors to lead us to that purpose. And I pray to you tonight that you would just take and start to work inside of our minds, inside of our hearts, Lord God, that these doors to failure would just become very, very clear, very, very clear inside of us, and that we would be able to slam them shut and walk in the other direction. I pray to you that no one, no one within this room would be susceptible to these doors to failure and would make that their life, but instead they would focus on that end goal and see that miraculous and beautiful door to purpose that stands at their end. And I just pray to you, God, that you would strengthen each and every one of us, Lord God, and help us to realize these doors to failure which seek to take us away and destroy everything that we hold dear. And I just praise you, Lord God, for tonight. And it's in your name that I pray, Jesus Christ. Amen. Some of them looking for fun, some of them looking